Hello, and welcome to Series 4, Episode 9 on Dad Educates Daughter on 80s Music. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, Dad. It's going fast this series, I think. It is. It's always a good series, the male soloists. Why? I don't know, because you get... There was a lot of male soloists and a lot of different kinds of music. Yeah, but I I don't know. I think I, I really enjoyed the groups. I think it's... No, cause... I'm not knocking the groups. Um, and I suppose it would be the same with the women soloists. Yeah, but then the women hasn't got as many, has it? No, because it wasn't as many, you know. No. You, th- you, think, you, f- you think of Madonna, Whitney Houston, and then you're probably struggling, you know. Was Tina yeah, you've had four... yeah, yeah, she went into the yeah. 80s. There's three. But yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really know yeah. any others. Anyway, recapping on this week. Yeah. Elton John, Chris Rhea, David Sylvian, Sting, Colonel Abrahams and Neil Diamond. Yeah. So... What were your thoughts in the end? Well, Any shocks? Any... Well, so I'd heard of these people. Well, not all of them, but more than normal, like four. Yeah, four uh-huh. out of six I'd heard of. And this, these group of people make an excellent road trip playlist. Uh-huh. Like, so me driving about, and I've done some long distance driving while like this week so I got to hear like you know like not just snippets on my way to work of like four Elton John songs and then back and I listened to all of it and it made like it's chilled so usually my road trip playlists are very upbeat and singing out loud and you know gets me going but I didn't need the upbeat hype of it all it was just really easy to listen to this week Mm -hmm. and then when I've written my notes I realise, guys, they're like proper musicians. Like, they sing, but they play instruments as well. All right, not all of them, but majority of them. They really are a musician, not just a singer. And I bet a lot of them have written their own songs as well. So, yeah, it was, it was a, they really flowed nicely with one another it was a nice and I know you don't really plan to think of how my playlist is going to sound and it's more the amount of songs but you couldn't have picked a better six like it was it was a week for listening wise while in the car like I weren't like oh this is not what I want to listen to first thing in the morning or anything like that it was literally a nice playlist I'm surprised we've Mm, definitely one maybe two that you say that what being a nice in the david like, sylvian and possibly colonel abrams but that would have been on the on the on the fence but david sylvian i thought was a definite not up your street so you'll find that won't you yeah i'm um, not saying they're all up my street individually uh-huh but as a playlist going through them all, they all really flowed nicely into each other and it weren't a bad listening while you're on the mm-hmm. road. That's what I'm getting at. 
Okay. So, how many number ones? I've gone with five. Might be too many. What have you gone with? So, with Elton John, you've got I'm Still Standing, Act of War, and Healing Hands. And then I've also got Sting with Fields of Gold, and then Neil Diamond with Sweet Caroline. Okay. Okay, well, you listened to two number ones. Oh, I went way up there, didn't I? You did. I find it really hard to pick number ones, though, because you don't know, like, because you're not giving me them in, like, a chronological order, they could have come anywhere and also not got, like, a chart to of all the weeks of the year, of all the years in the 80s, to work out what weeks have already had number ones to piece them in together. Oh, yeah. So, it's hard, isn't it, for me to mm-hmm. just guess? But let's okay. see if I've got any of the five. Yeah. Any of the five so, number ones. Let's talk music, and let's start with Elton John. Yeah. So his genre, I've gone with pop rock, blues, maybe a bit in there. Um. So obviously, I've heard of Elton John, and he's. Only just recently retired, hasn't he? He's only just yep. recently done. And one thing I wish I did was see him live. But, like, I didn't, I've never listened to him. So I wouldn't know whether I would, like, it wouldn't be someone I do see live. But I wish I did to be able to say, yeah, I saw him. Um, and I think, like, where I've heard him play at vast events that are televised, I think his voice has got better with age. So I think he sounds better now than he did listen to him in these songs i also think that maybe he was bigger in the 70s just because the 70s songs because you sent me a list of them um they're ones that i've heard a lot more of and are probably a lot bigger for my generation like for it to have gone through time um so yeah, I think he, but like he's really pushed his career to last. And I do think, I think he's definitely got better with age. Um, obviously, he's well known for like his glasses and his sparkle and his suits and always, and being like on the piano, like he was the first one that I was like, he is a talented musician. Um, the only thing is, in a couple of the songs, it ended up being a bit more, so I stopped writing it. But he either doesn't like in the video it's either not him or he doesn't wear his glasses which makes him look completely different because in a couple of the videos i was like this sent elton john so it was really weird mm-hmm. and i'm now trying to look he doesn't always wear his glasses no no but like i have seen him with his glasses off but i guess in the 80s he was younger so seeing him with in the 80s isn't what i'm used to seeing now so and like I proper looked up Elton John without glasses and everything. And it did bring up some of the screenshots of like the videos that I've been watching. So it must have been him. But yeah, it was very, very weird to see. I was like, oh no, I don't, I don't put your glasses back on. Didn't like it. Okay. So Elton John was actually born Reginald Kenneth Dwight. Oh, sorry. Yep. Yeah, Reginald or Reg Kenneth. Dwight. 
Where on earth is Elton John from? Yeah. So he's from Pinner in Middlesex, England. Um, he's been active in the music business since 1962. He's a singer, songwriter, pianist, pianist and pianist. composer. Pianist, yes, thank you. And composer. And he is of rock, pop rock, glam rock, soft rock and blues. So you're right. Oh, I did think I heard it. But what gives it away is he's got a song called, I guess that's why they call it the blues. And mm. I was kind of like then listening out for blues. So Elton learned to play the piano at an early age and he won a scholarship to the Royal Academy of Music where he studied for five years. Wow. In 1962, he formed the blues band Bluesology, but left in 1967 to embark on a solo career and met his songwriting partner, Bernie Taupin, that same year. So between 1967 and 69, they wrote songs together for other artists while Elton also worked as a session musician. It was in 1969 that Elton released his debut album, Empty Sky, and a year later formed the Elton John Band and released his first single, Your Song. During the 70s, Elton John was at his peak, with his albums gaining plenty of critical success with don't Shoot Me, I'm Only the Piano Player in 1973, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road in 19, also in 1973, and Carabao in 1974, all charting at number one on both the UK album chart and the Billboard Hot 200 chart in the US. Wow. So he, he just, one minute he was like writing songs, being a session musician, the next minute, whew, he's up there. Yep. He didn't yep. really have to do much. He just flew. Also, didn't know he was a session musician. So it was in the US he gained his most success with Honky Chateau in 1972, Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dirt Cowboy in 1975, and Walk of the Westies in also in 1975, also reaching number one meaning he'd had six albums in a row at number one on the Billboard Hot 200 album chart. That's mad. That's mad. And I didn't know he was that big in America. I thought mm. he was a proper British man. Like, he was just big ear, and he just liked being big ear. I didn't know he was that big. Of... So his, six, his success continued in the 80s and 90s, although he never achieved the success of the 70s. He did have a number one charting album in the UK with 1989's Sleeping With The Past, while 1992's The One peaked at number two. Oh. In the US, he had six number one singles during the 70s, including Crocodile Rock and Bernie and the Jets, as well as his duet with Kiki D on Don't Go Breaking My Heart. He had another further two number ones on the Billboard Hot 100, Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me in 1991, a duet with George Michael, and the double A of Something About the Way You Look Tonight with the re-release of 1974's 
candle in the wind in 1970 no sorry in 1997 which he had sang at the funeral of his friend the princess of wales princess diana oh yeah i forgot he was really like he's proper in there with the royals isn't he yeah well more diana but yeah yeah but he's still now isn't he like he goes to all the events doesn't he and did he do the jubilee was he there you mean the coronation? Coronation and the Jubilee, he had both. I don't uh, think he was, I'm not sure he was either. Yeah, but I guess maybe because he was on the cusp of retirement, maybe it was like, that's past my sell by date. So regards his stage name, he, was origi he originally was known simply as Reggie. However, in 1967, when he was paired with Bernie Taupin, via ray williams of liberty records who gave reg an unopened envelope of lyrics written by torpin after both answered an advert placed by williams reg wrote music for the lyrics and sent them to torpin which began their partnership and in homage to two members of bluesology saxophonist saxophonist elton dean and vocalist John Baldry, Reg used the stage name Elton John. So his name comes from his first ever little bands that he left. Yeah. Oh, imagine being those two people and knowing that. You'd be like, oh, I live on in him. Like, I had an impact in, on his life. But he looks like an Elton. And I know it's because that's all you know him by. But it's like, you know, like some people and their stage name and you know it's really not their name so you know their name elton john just i didn't know it was a stage name like that doesn't how... look like a reginald no and i wonder what his husband calls him do you think his husband walks around going all right reggie reggie <laughs> you come in reg like i doubt it i bet he's just elton john like it surprises me that he's not changed his name by deep pole Reg used the stage name Elton John and in 1972 he legally changed his name to Elton Hercules John. Where's the Hercules come from? I really don't know. But okay, so he, he is legally He Elton is legally John, now so Elton So no one Hercules ever calls him. His husband no. does not walk around going, come on, Reginald, we're going out. No. He doesn't do that. He literally no. calls him Elton. Okay, that's fine then because he just he is an Elton. But Hercules, okay, maybe he likes a bit of Disney. Or so Elton John was chairman and director of Watford Football Club in 1976 and invested large amounts of money as the club rose from the fourth division to the first division, now known as the Premier League. Watford even reached the FA Cup final in 1984, losing to Everton. Elton sold the club in 1987, but remained president and repurchased the club in 1997. However, he stepped down again in 2002 as chairman, but still remained as a president. And although no longer the majority shareholder, he held a concert at Watford's Vicarage Road Stadium and donated the proceeds to the club he has supported since being a ch since being a child. Oh, 
Oh, I wouldn't have put him down as a football fanatic. Oh, what's the um? He goes mental in the the final. Really? Yeah, you see him with his hat and suit and that boat hat and that. Oh, Loves it. I just can't imagine him. So Elton was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1994. Both he and Torpin were already inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame in 1992. In October 1975, Elton John received a star on Hollywood's Walk of Fame. Elton was made a CBE in 1995 and then knighted by the Queen in 1998 for services to music and for his charity work. What's a CBE? I've heard of like OBE, MBE. Oh, I can't. Well, that's the next one up. Oh, so that's even bigger. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, you start with MBE, then you're an OBE, then you're a CBE, and then night. Oh, look at him go. He received an Academy Award, an Oscar, for Best Original Song with can You Feel the Love Tonight from The Lion King in 1994, as well as a Golden Globe Award for the same song. And in 2006, he received a Disney Legends. Oh. Elton John is acclaimed by critics and fellow musicians, particularly for his music during the 70s and his lasting impact on the music industry. His songwriting partnership with Bernie Taupin is one of the most successful in history. Do you think he'll carry on writing songs for others? No, I think he's that's it, him done. Like he's done, done. Yeah. He just wants to spend time with his family, doesn't he? Yeah. Elton has won four Grammy Awards, including Grammy Legend in 1999, three Brit Awards, including Brit Icon in 2013, Three Ivor Novello Awards, including Outstanding Contribution to British Music in 1986. Elton won his second Academy Award for Best Original Song with I'm Gonna Love Me Again from the film Rocket Man, a biographical musical film based on the life of Elton John. I've never seen that film, you know. So oh, I you need to. It's on my watch list. And I Elton retired it. from music in 2023 with a farewell tour, which included a headlining appearance at Glastonbury Festival. Mm, it did, didn't it? I, mean, I watched that on TV. Didn't actually go. Okay. So, his songs. Yes. Let's see how many of yours were correct if any mm. 1980 little genie number 33 really i thought that'd be higher because it's like come off the back of the 70s um i love the sax in it i think it's the saxophone whatever musical instrument it is sounds really nice and really makes a song i also think it's very raw vocals very stripped back and 1981, I saw her standing there featuring John Lennon and the Muscles Shoal Horns, number 40. Really? Yep. I thought they were a great duo, you know. 
it was fast paced, you know, like had a bit of something to it. Um, yeah, and that kind of shocks me a bit because I thought, I also thought, I mean, I didn't put it as one of my number ones, but it's two big names. Mm-hmm. So I'm quite shocked at that chart placing. Mm-hmm. 1982, Blue Eyes, number eight. See, whereas this is the opposite for me. It's very slow. It's got the same pace throughout. I do like the music, like the beat in the background. Um, And this was the first one where watching the video, he didn't have his glasses on. Is this even him? Okay. 1983, I guess that's why they call it the blue. Number five. This is a great one. This is a a favourite of mine. It's catchy, easy to listen to. The chorus absolutely makes it. And all I, so when I first listened to it, I was like, I guess that's why they call it Poppy Love. It's what I wanted to sing. So if they like remade it somehow, because there is definitely a song out there. And I didn't look it up because I was like, imagine. But I'm pretty sure it's been, it's got to have been done differently somewhere. Co- being called, I guess that's why they call it Poppy Love or something. Don't know. I'm going to have to look it up then. But that's what I wanted to sing. Okay. So I was like, oh, I recognise this. And I was like, no way, it's the blues. So. so I think this next one you said was number one. Yes. 1983 i'm still standing better than i ever did or whatever however it goes um it was in the top 10 Mm. and it was in the top five right number four maybe it's because it's still really big now and like Mm. it's been in the movie sing you like that film sing Mm. Um, it's in there and it's just upbeat catchy it's just an amazing song it's a classic so i thought it would have been up there Mm -hmm. not 1983 still i'm gonna kiss the bride boom do do another great song surprisingly only number 20 really i thought it would have been high this is quite this is like the first time where i was like oh he's got that bit of rock in there but I don't know how to explain it other than he's got his own little twist on songs. Like, you can listen to a song and instantly you can be like, Elton John classic. Like, I don't know, I can't explain it. He just does it simply and it's simply him and whatever he does, he's just talented. Okay, next you've got obviously a Christmas song, although I don't even know what it is because I know him for, I think it's Stepping Into Christmas is his song. Yeah, that's his, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. But this is 1983, Cold as Christmas, and it got to number 33. Yeah, it was not a great Christmas song. And I'm a sucker for a Christmas song. Yeah, it just it's not a good one at yeah. all. Um, the only good thing, nice thing about it was his vocals. Like, there was such a focus. It's quite a mellow Christmas song. Like, it's not an upbeat one at all. Okay. Now, did you say this next one was number one as well? No. No? Okay. 1984. Sad song says, Uma. Number seven. Oh, it's definitely, though, not a sad song. <laughs> it's a head buffer. It's quite catchy. I did yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. 
One of my favourites next, 1984. Passengers. Number five. Okay. It will, do you know what? This is a simple song and it's quite... The lyrics are quite repetitive, mm. but not like it's more like he recycles throughout the song. Um, it's got a really good beat to it, like really good backing music. Yeah. 1985. This one I said might be number one. Act of War with Millie Jackson, who I don't even know who she is. I don't even. Um, you said number one. Number 32. Really? I thought it was really good. But, I, okay, actually, maybe the only... So I really enjoyed it being up there song. But it wasn't like his usual stuff. So maybe that's why it weren't as high. But I thought that might be a reason because he's kind of moving along with the times. Um, and one thing that really stuck out to me is the video of that had like a countdown. So it like started at 60. I don't know what it was like really counting down to but it was a really clever video okay 1985 another one of my favorites nikita you will never know number three nikita ah, you like the um no because passengers weren't like soft this one's just like a slow soft vocals really strips it back type of song it's not an up there one for me. 1985, Wrap Her Up, number 12. Ah, see, this let it down because there's an instrumental in it. Was really, like, I feel like Elton John doesn't need instrumental. He just needs to give his voice to the music. So let that one down. Okay. 19... 74. Eh? Why are we gone into this? Oh, Candle this in the Wind got to number 11. And then it was re-released in 1988 as a live version and got to number 5. Now, the funny thing yeah. is, obviously, I mentioned earlier about how it was number 1 in the US. Yeah. For... Um, because obviously it was re-released, although the lyrics were changed um, for Princess Diana. But it didn't come up or as a chart position for here. Oh. So I'm actually just going to check, because I'm pretty sure it was re-released, and I'm pretty sure it would have got to number one. So... Um, yeah, that doesn't make sense. No. I thought it was very chilled and flows nice. I did nearly say that this was not. I thought mm, it hasn't. It's just missing something. Check. Ah, oh, I know why. It's not in the eighties. I wouldn't have looked. It was been nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, nineties, wasn't it? Whereas obviously, as I say, nineteen eighty eight. So it's actually. Let me check because it means it would have been released three times. Yeah, actually. Yeah. So it was changed to, and so it's Candle in the Wind, but it was called Something About the Way You Look Tonight. And then okay. it says Stroke Candle. And um, it got to number one. 
Oh, so it did get to number one, but it got yeah. it was like properly refurbished or whatever you want to call it. That's called something about the way you look tonight. And candle. Nineteen eighty-eight. I don't want to go on with you like that. Number thirty. Really. This was an up there one for me. It's a head bopper, upbeat, and the lyrical like pace to it, um, like how he sings, it just all makes sense. It just goes with the flow. Like it's just a really good song. So I'm quite shocked by that position. Um, nineteen eighty nine, sacrifice number fifty five. Fifty. Why have I got that? Because it's a good one, and you know it's been remixed recently. It's in the charts nowadays. Mm-hmm. And it threw me off because I was like, I when I was listening to it, I was listening to it, and I was like, hang on, this is Cold Heart, but it's called Sacrifice. So, But what's in the charts now is called Cold Heart. Um. And I like that. It's been remixed really good, to be fair. Now, you know me. I am not one for a remix. So I've just looked. Something about the way you look tonight was a double A with Candle in the Wind. Oh, okay. Right. With you. Because he'd released something about the way you look tonight. And rather than then release because that was already in the charts, rather yeah. than release Candle in the Wind again, he put it as a double A with the single that was already out in the charts. With you. With okay. you. Yeah. Um, 1990, Healing Hands, a double A side with Sacrifice. Oh, Okay. Got to number one. Healing Hands got to number one. That's my second favourite. I literally gave, did two favourites because I was like, oh, I can't choose between two. Healing Hands is one of my favourites. Yeah. And I said it would be a number one. You did. But it just shows you Sacrifice, which is a good song. It number good 55. Song. You put it yeah. as a double A side with obviously Healing Hands as well. And it's always Sacrifice that I... Probably mostly was played, and that got to number one. Yeah, and when I was listening to um, Elton John, there's only Sacrifice and I'm Still Standing that I recognised, bar like the one that is, I guess that's why they call it the blues, and I'm like, I guess that's why they call it Puppy Love. Um, But yeah, they're the only two that I knew, really. And Sacrifice, I'm pretty sure it's only because it's been remixed recently but yeah healing hands oh fantastic song loved it quite rocky for me okay and then we have 1974 don't let the sun go down on me number 16 it was then re-released in 1991 and got to number 85 it was then re-released again, but later on in 1991. Oh. Um, 
this time with George Michael and got to number one. So are they my two number ones? But they're not in the 80s. No. I don't think that, don't let, that's sad. Do you know what I did? I nearly had Don't Let the Sun Go Down on me as a number one, right? Like legit, when I was doing, because I put an asterisk next to the ones that I think would be number one so I can let you know. And I did Healing Hands because that was a top song for me. And then I did Don't Let the Sun Go Down on me because I was like, oh, it's got George Michael in it. It's definitely going to be up there. And I took it away because I was like, there's no way he's having two number ones in a I'm really annoyed now. <laughs> but the only reason that I thought it would be number one is because of George Michael. I don't like not because just of George Michael, I mean because it's too good. Yeah. Well, and that's proved it got but, number 16 when it was originally released by Elton John in 1974 when he was in his peak, you know, yeah. and then he'd released it earlier that year and it only got to number 85. That's mad. So by putting, but. I didn't hear much singing from Elton John, not going to lie. It was a bit more George. Well, maybe it was obviously he'd have been the piano and that, but. Mm. I legit but think George sure Michael sing. did the And as I say, it was his original song mm. from 1974. So you're telling me that no other artist has got a number one? No, no other artist. They are the two. Healing Hands, or Double A with Sacrifice. And Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me, both from the 1990s, although the songs were originally from, well, Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me is actually originally the 70s. Um, but Sacrifice was released oh, in 89. Well, I got one right, Healing Hands, and that is a top song. It's great. So I'm okay. glad with that. Chris Rhea. Yeah. Um, all I've really ever known him for is driving home for Christmas song because I listen to it every year, really cringily, when I'm driving home to see you for Christmas. It's the first song I listen to when I get on the motorway. I put it on. Mm-hmm. Don't know why. Well, I do know why because like the lyrics, but yeah, that's all I've ever really known Chris Rea for. It's mm-hmm. the only reason I've heard of him. Um, so I've put him as rock, but I also think he's a bit of blues as well, you know. Like, you know, yeah, I think he's got something dabbled in there. He's got a really husky voice. He's another actual musician. Like, he can play the guitar. Yes. Um, And I feel like he's quite unique. You know, he just does his own thing, gets on with it. Um, Nothing special about his videos or the way he looks there. He just kind of came in, went out. That's it, really. Okay, so he's from Middlesbrough. He's been active since 1973. He's a singer, songwriter, musician and composer. Um, He is a vocalist and, as you say, a guitarist and also a pianist. You really have to think then. I did. I wanted to say pianist. Pianist. It's not even how it's spelled. I know. I know. It's piano. read phonetically but i uh, know that in front of you you would not have an o in it because that's not i just wrote piano but i couldn't just say <laughs> piano. he plays the piano 
um, pop rock, soft rock, electric, and blues rock. Oh, blues rock. Okay. All right. I thought it was a bit more blues. Because blues is quite chilled, I think, isn't it? That's what I think of the blues. And, like, they always, like, a saxophone always gives me blues vibes. So Rhea bought his first guitar when in his early 20s and played primarily, prim- primarily bottleneck, also known as slide guitar, a playing exactly. style inspired by Charlie Patton, whom he heard on the radio and initially thought he was playing a violin. Oh, OK. So there's a way of playing the guitar that makes it completely different. Yeah, obviously. Um, I can't say I've heard of it, but then I'm not a musician. Um, Rhea feels that coming from Middlesbrough didn't help him initially. He wanted to be a writer of film music, but since said, Middlesbrough in 1968 wasn't the place to be if you wanted to do movie scores. Rhea has also commented that when compared to Mark Knopfler and Eric Clapton, two great guitarists, he says, I definitely missed the boat. I think due to my late introduction to music and being self-taught. So in 1973, Rhea joined local Middlesbrough band Magdalene, or Maudlin Magdalene, as it's known which originally included David Coverdale, who left for Deep Purple. Rhea began writing songs for the band and ended up being the lead singer by accident after the lead singer of the band failed to turn up for an engagement the band already had booked. Oh, well, that's just unprofessional, but I mean, worked out well for Chris Rhea, didn't it? Yeah. Rhea then formed his own band, The Beautiful Losers, who received Melody Maker's Best Newcomers Award in 1973. Rhea also secured a solo recording deal with independent label Magnet Records and released his first solo signal in 1974. So Much Love was what it was called. The Beautiful Losers split up in 1977 and Chris Rio went solo, recording his debut album, Whatever Happened to Benny Santini, which he released in 1978. With lead single, Fool, If You Think It's Over, which was his biggest hit in the US, reaching number one on the adult contemporary chart and number 12 on the Billboard Hot 100, becoming Magnet Records' first US Top 10, and now seen as the label's biggest artist. That's mad. But he's not done that much. I've not got that many songs for him. Mm. So I'm surprised that he was like the label's biggest artist. Yeah. I'm also surprised he made it in America. Especially on an independent label. Yeah. So Rhea's stateside success led to Rhea being categorised as a piano-playing songwriter similar to Elton John and Billy Joel, rather than the guitar player that he actually is. 
but then that just shows how talented he is mm. as ria says it is still the only song i've ever not played guitar one but it just happened to be my first charting single that's mad isn't it so but because then, he see... didn't play guitar he's known as a pianist rather pianist. than a guitarist only because of that first single yeah which he never played guitar on but then all the other singles he's played guitar but like, i didn't even notice about him being a pianist because i only ever saw him playing guitar that's a bit rude isn't it so ria never took to fame and throughout his career he rejected the label of being a rock star ria's next two albums Deltics in 1979 and Tennis in 1980, which was his first self-produced album, and received positive reviews. However, both failed commercially, and Magnet rejected the artwork Rhea wanted for the cover of his fourth album, 1981's Chris Rhea. So none of Rhea's albums reached the top 50 in the UK album chart. While his fifth album, Water Sign, was a release of demo tapes, which the label decided to release to keep costs down. So you can already feel there's a bit of. First of all, they say no to some artwork he wanted to put on an album, and now they've released demos rather than actual paying for a recording studio to get some more so material. So he's been a bit uh, fobbed off there. He probably could have been bigger than he was. So Ria's sixth album in 1984, Wired to the Moon, was his first to chart inside the top 50 at number 35. While his breakthrough came in 1985 with his seventh album, Shamrock Diaries, with its two singles, Stainsby Girls and Josephine, which charted at number eight in the Netherlands, both of them. Oh, sorry, no, the album was at the album. I think the album. Yeah. Um, album. Rhea's okay. eighth album, On the Beach, charted at number 11 in 1986, while Dancing with Strangers peaked at number two in 1987, with lead single Let's Dance becoming his biggest hit when charting at number two in New Zealand. Uh, right so that's his biggest hit so that means he didn't get any number twos no his 10th and 11th albums the road to hell and Allburge, both became chart toppers in 1989 and 1991 respectively and that was in the uk while making the top 10 in austria germany where Allburge was also number one Norway, Sweden and Switzerland, while Allburge also made the top 10 in Netherlands. Right. I feel like he's not had a smooth ride. Mm -hmm. So the single Road to Hell also charted highly at number six in New Zealand? Austria. Oh, Austria. OK. Well, that's better than that. <laughs> Both these albums' success were on the back of Rhea's single, Driving Home for Christmas, released in 1988 and made the top 10 in Austria, Germany, the Netherlands and Switzerland. Oh, 
So he's getting round internationally. Rhea has gone on to release a further 14 albums, making it 25 what? in total, with That's his cool. last release in 2019, but none have matched the successes of the late 80s and early 90s. I mean, for him to keep going, he must have had a fan base. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Rhea has said that several of his songs were born out of Middlesbrough, his hometown. For instance, the verse, I'm standing by a river, but the water doesn't flow. It boils with every poison you can think of. From the road to hell. That, so that verse is from the road to hell. Right. And the song's still river, which is a nickname for the river Tees. And Windy Town reflect Rhea's feelings about the industrial decline of Middlesbrough and the redevelopment of the town centre. Okay, so he's got strong feelings towards his hometown now. Mm. In 1994, Rhea was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and underwent life-saving operation to remove his pancreas, gallbladder and part of his liver. As a result, he has type 1 diabetes. Rhea is a big fan of Formula One motor racing and even worked for Jordan as a pit lane mechanic during the 1995 Monaco Grand Prix. Is Jordan a... Um... Well, it was a team, yeah. Right, Managed okay. by, Cause I was like, owned by Eddie Jordan. Right, okay. So, yes. Wow. Oh, he's lived his life to the full then, hasn't he? Yeah. Bless him. Is he still alive? Yeah. Oh, okay. So he's survived the cancer and everything. But pictures I, I saw of him, I don't know how long ago it was now, but he didn't look well. Right, okay. So, But then he's going to be old now, isn't he? Yeah. Getting on a obviously. bit. Okay, so on to his songs. 1978, Fool, If You Think It's Over. Did you say number one? No, yeah, I didn't give him any number one. Oh, right. Number 30. Number 30. Mm. This was a good start for him. Shows off his voice and it has a nice slow build up. So that was from 1978, but I gave you it because obviously... I mentioned it at the beginning. It sort yeah, of that was like, started. So, yeah. 1985, Stainsby Girls, number 26. Okay. I really like the use of the instrument one. It's got a good beat and it's got an instrumental, which I actually don't mind. I feel like it kind of brings the song together. Like, the reason I don't like instrumentals pause between verses and i'm like it's not needed just carry on singing whereas this one it actually kind of links the song together like i've quite liked it and it weren't too much 1986 on the beach number 57 it was then re-released in 1988 and got to number 12 oh, okay. and that would have been probably after driving home for christmas right See this one, so that might be that did. Um, I think this one's too slow for him. I think it went in a different direction that weren't needed. Like it's a bit more chilled out. In 
he needed his like edge to the song, mm-hmm. and it weren't there. 1987, Let's Dance, number 12. Um, Upbeat but slow. It's got a nice blues sound to it. It's where I was really like he's got a bit of blues in there. But, yeah, it was a weird one because it had that little twist, but it weren't, okay. yeah, it weren't fully one way or another. 1988. Driving Home for Christmas, number 10. Uh, see, I did think, oh, maybe that was a... And then I'm like, I don't think it's that big of a song. I think it's just big in my life because mm-hmm. I listen to it quite a lot at Christmas, not just throughout the year. Um, I think it's like one of your... When you mention like Christmas songs, it's one that people would automatically put in the list. So it's an up there sick Christmas song. 1989, The Road to Hell, Part 2, number 10. This was my favourite. It really shows off his talent. It's got a great flow to it. And it's kind of like, I think it's like his perfect song. Like, you know, when I'm like, oh, like on the beach is a bit more chilled. He needs a bit more to it. And Let's Dance is like upbeat but slow. Um Stainsby Girls has the good beat. I think the road to hell has everything that he's good at. Yeah. No, I like I like um this is the road to hell. Uh nineteen ninety, Tell Me There's a Heaven, number twenty-four. This was the worst uh well, I I don't want to say this is the worst one he has. It is a beautiful song, but it's just completely different to the rest. He sounds so different in it. Like, I wouldn't even think it was him if I was just listening to a random playlist. Okay, David Sylvian. Who you've obviously spoke about before. Have I? No, I haven't. I don't recognise him. Unless he's done something weird, which he might have done, based on what I've listened to. Um, He's very rock. Who is Ryuchi? 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 Yeah, or whoever. So. Um, I don't think he ever decided what to focus on. And maybe he filled more time. I think he needed maybe a bit more time to experiment. He is very 80s, don't get me wrong. Um, like, he's like, you know, you put him on, like, oh yeah, you've got that 80s sound too, yeah. But I think he just experimented a bit too much. I don't really know if I'm coming or going. Um, he likes a Japanese-style video. And he likes his makeup. But he's a bit too heavy on the cheeks. He's got... Like, you can see where he's caked on the makeup. He's got two different shades of skin on his cheek. But that was the look he was going for, maybe. Okay. So... David born David Allen Bat B A uh, He's from Beckenham, Kent. He's been at 1974. He's a vocalist, guitarist, keyboardist, um, and his genres are art pop, new wave, glam rock, and prog progressive. Oh. So. After forming the band Japan with his brother Steve, 
that was a long, long time ago. You think I'm going to remember a name? One looks unless you are booming like Tony George Michael or Boy George. I'm not going to remember you. <laughs> so yes, I have spoken about him, but I would not have guessed you. So. He took his stage name from the group New York Dolls guitarist Sylvain Sylvain, while his brother Steve adopted the name Steve Janssen after the band's lead singer David Johansson. So they obviously were both very um, influenced by New York Dolls. Apparently so. So Japan disbanded in 1982 after six studio albums and two top 10 singles. Sylvian went to pursue a solo career where he released 10 solo albums between 1984 wow. and 2014. We did well with his, compared. Yeah, with his debut album, Brilliant Trees, Charting at number four on the UK album chart and number seven in the Netherlands. While the lead single, Red Guitar, was his best performing single, although a year earlier, his best chart success away from Japan was in 1983 with Ryuchi Sakamoto, a Japanese composer who he collaborated together with on the soundtrack Merry Christmas Mr Lawrence which starred David Bowie the song Forbidden Colours was number one in the Netherlands New Zealand Austria Switzerland <laughs> Iceland not anywhere that you said before. No, well, I'm on a different person now. Uh, yeah, but you pause as if I know. <laughs> well, I was waiting. I thought you'll never get. You'll never guess Iceland. I would have gone round the old world. <laughs> but he still would have said Iceland. In the 90s, Sylvian collaborated with Robert Fripp from rock band King Crimson and husband of singer Toya. Wilcox. Fripp was previously who had previously worked with David Bowie, Blondie, Peter Gabriel, Midjour, and Talking Heads. Oh. A single Gene the Birdman flopped at number sixty-eight, although the album The First Day charted at number twenty-one in nineteen ninety-three. And was Sylvian's best charting Albion since Brilliant Trees in what did I say, nineteen eighty-four? Album. Oh yeah. Yeah. You said Albion. Album, sorry. So yeah, so that's David Sylvian. Better so known as lead not... singer of Japan. So as much as he's probably done better as a soloist. Well, I wouldn't say he has. I'd say he's really, had more music, but Japan but not had necessarily a better. Yeah, but mm, but then does more music make you better because you've had quality over quantity? 
that's true. But he's not done much then, has he? Well, I, no, he's, he's, I mean, he's done it. He obviously enjoys what he does. And I would say he's probably made his money from, you know, Quiet Life and I can't remember the other one now, with Japan. With Japan so. I can't. Ghosts, ghosts, something. I think. No, didn't he have. It was obviously definitely Quiet Life. Um, just on um, Ryuchi Sakamoto. Um, yeah. he yeah. actually died, so I just looked him up, um, this year, March 2023. Oh, really? Hmm. Aged oh. 71. Bless him. He seems a bit weird, though, not going to lie. Quiet, like, visions of China. European sun. Ghosts. Ghosts, boy. I second that emotion. These were the ones that I Although that was a cover. Um, Their main one was Quiet Life and Ghosts. And All Tomorrow's Parties. They're the ones that I had. Yeah. Okay. So. David Sylvian. 1982. Bamboo Houses. And Bamboo Music were a double A with Ryuchi Sakamoto on both of them. Or they obviously com- both composed them. Um, got to number 30. Yeah, not surprised. Right. Bamboo Houses, just music. It's got some good and very weird sounds, very 80s. And Bamboo Music isn't very lyrical and it basically sounds like the first one. Just with a bit of lyrics. I don't get it. Don't get them at all. <laughs> They're two very odd songs that I did not expect to be listening to. 1983, Forbidden Colours with Ryuchi Sakamoto again. Number 16. Okay, so there's not much to it, but it's quite heartfelt. I feel like there, you know, is a bit deep with it. But... He's got the passion in it. I just don't get that as a listener. 19, 1984, Red Guitar, number 17. This was my favourite. Grows on me every time I listen to it. It's really, it's like got a bit of catchy to it. You know, like the chorus saves it more than anything. And finally, also in 1984, The Ink in the Well, Number 36. You can't tell what he's singing. Like, for some reason, his voice has gone very deep, but you can't hear it. It's just, yeah. And the fact that he's been going as a soloist and between 1984 and 2014 was actually... I mean, he obviously started at 1982 when, when they'd um, split up, disbanded, but I suppose... It wasn't seen as because it was with Ryochi Sakamoto, although um, mm. Forbidden Colours was as well. But um, so 1984, which obviously from Red Guitar, he's only had two top 40 yeah, songs. Really, on his own. Mm. That is true. Yeah, okay. So moving over to Ding. So Sting's from the police, right? 
Yes. Right. Well done. So, in my head, I didn't re-listen to it, but in my head I thought Sting was a bit more rockier. So when I was listening to Sting, I was like, am I really listening to Sting? Because he was not as rocky as I had, I expected. I don't know why. And as I've, the more I've thought about the police, like obviously they've got every breath you take, is the one that I can definitely think of at the top of my head. They're not actually that big rocky people. But for some reason, I thought Sting went off. This was just me assuming about him. I thought my, you know, my judgment of him was that he was a rock, like big rock star, but like rock rock star. And he's not. He's a great soloist. I feel like he did well with the police and on his own. Like he sings some deep songs with some sort of meaning. I feel like some of them might be a bit political. Too sure. Again, he's a talented musician. And this is what shocked me as well. He's quite plain looking. And he doesn't seem to age at all. Um, and for his genre, I've gone with rock. Jazz, I feel like, might be something in there. And then he's really calm. I can't think of like a calm genre other than like classical. But I don't think he, uh, he, like, he's not classical. Like, he's not that extreme. But he's got some calming aura to his genre, I think. I don't know what it is. I don't know what other genres there are. I feel like it might be a made-up one. What did, you, what did you say? I said he's really calming. So I want to, like, you know, like, classical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, classical is a, yeah, is a thing. And actually, I don't yeah. think he's, I don't think well, he's classical. Let's. You're not far out. You're he's, not. I'll, you'll see yeah. in a minute. Okay. So, so I feel Sting, like his calmness might be made up. Okay. So he's he was born Gordon Matthew Thomas Sumner. Yeah. From Wallsend, Tyneside. So another northeastern yeah, after Northern Chris Rear. Yeah. So Middlesbrough um, and Newcastle or yeah. Wallsend. Um, he's been active since 1971. He is a singer, songwriter, musician, and actor. He is a vocalist, bass guitarist, guitarist, and uh, or double bass and keyboardist. Right. So he's a talented musician, like I said. So John was that much, but yeah. Rock. Said that. Pop. Didn't say that. New wave. Standard. Soft rock. Mm-hmm. And jazz. I said jazz. But that's your classical as well, in a sense. How's jazz? Oh, yeah. Jazz can be a bit more beat. Mm. But I don't know. There's just something calming. But maybe he likes soul. I mean, he's not. But you know, like, I don't know. Can't explain it. There's something about him. There's an aura to his music that's very calm. So, Sting started out playing jazz with the Phoenix Jasmine in Newcastle. Oh, sorry. He started out playing jazz with the Phoenix Jasmine, mm-hmm. Newcastle Big Band and Last Exit in the evenings, weekends and during his breaks from college and teaching. Teaching? Okay. 
So while at Phoenix Jasmine, he wore a black and yellow jumper with hooped stripes that band leader Gordon Solomon thought made him look like a bee. Although Sting oh, says he, he, although Sting says it differently and says he thought we look they look he looked like a wasp rather than a bee. But he, either way, it prompted the nickname Sting. Fair enough. Which I like has it. stuck and even his children call him Sting and his mother. Now always your mother would call you what they your what birth they, name is. Yeah. But you know, we're talking when he was in a jazz group before police, before anything, and he wore this yellow and black jumper. That's the only And it made him look like a wasp or a bee, and they called him Sting. And, and even stuck. his mother called him Sting, and his children have since. That's mad that it's stuck ever since. Yeah. All because of um, Sting says, Who is this Gordon character? I was never called Gordon. Despite this, he chose not to legally change his name. Oh, so he's not done an Elton. No, he's still legally Gordon so is... Matthew Thomas Sumner or Gordon Sumner. Yeah, he denies that his name's even Gordon. But he even says he's never really been called Gordon. Always Sting. So Sting grew up visiting nightclubs such as Clubber Go-Go, watching Cream and Manfred Mann, who influenced his music. Sting attended University of Warwick in Coventry, but left after a term and took jobs as a bus conductor, building labourer and a tax officer. He then attended the Northern Counties College of Education, now known as Northumbria University, between 1971 to 1974, where he qualified as a teacher. And he, then, and he went on to teach at St Paul's First School in Cramlington, Northumberland, for two years. I can't, I, okay. <laughs> okay. And it is a well-known fact that Sting is a teacher. I feel like that's a bit of a... I don't know, like general knowledge that everyone should yeah. know. And, um, you know, Greg Davis, the comedian who's also in yeah. shows. Yeah. He is also an ex-teacher. Why do I feel like I knew that? That I'm shocked by Sting. Mm. That doesn't seem as shocking. Okay. He looks like a teacher. Hang on, ain't Greg Davis the one? Um, the head teacher in Inbetweeners? Yes, yes. Yeah, I feel like that might yeah. be why it's less, less And shocking. the cleaner, or whatever it's called, the new one. So yes. He's yes. also the taskmaster. Taskmaster. Yeah. What's that? Anyway, not, we're going not, off track. Yeah, that's not a thing. Um, in 1977, Sting formed the band The Police after moving from Newcastle to London where he met Stuart Copeland and Henry Padavoni, Padavani, who would soon be replaced by Andy Summers. From 1978 to 1983, they had four UK chart-topping albums, won six Grammy Awards, 
and two Brit Awards, as well as five singles reaching number one in the UK, with every breath you take hitting number one in the US in 1983. Great song. Following the breakup of The Police, Sting launched his solo career with his debut album in 1985, The Dream of the Blue Turtles, featuring jazz musicians and had two top 40 singles, If You Love Somebody, Set Them Free, and Russians. Sting has released 14 studio albums as a soloist between 1985 and his latest being The Bridge in 2021. So he's still going as an still old going. geezer? Yep. What a legend. That's what doing so yoga does, see? He's definitely bigger than as a soloist than he was with the police, I think. But the police were massive. Hmm. They're the sort of band, if they got yeah, back together, feel... they would sell out Wembley Stadium. Yeah, but I feel like Sting is like a household name. Isn't it? Yeah, he is. He's, he's, gone on, he's, he's gone on to, you know, massive things since. I suppose a bit like George Michael with Wham, you know. If, if um, George yeah, Michael was still alive and Wham were to have his concert, it would be a sellout. But I George Michael is just as big as, you know... On his, as a soloist, yeah, I guess maybe because that's where they started. Where does yeah? Um, Sting had two number one albums in the UK album chart 1987's Nothing Like the Sun and 1991's The Soul Cages. Although Russians is his best charting single, he had another hit <laughs> with. Englishman in New York, which isn't on a studio album. Oh. He has had number ones in other countries with all this time topping the Canadian singles charts. It's probably me with Eric Clapton topping the Italian singles chart. And if I ever lose my faith in you, topping the charts in both Canada and Italy. Oh. But he's never had another one in. His best chart success came with All For Love, with Brian Adams and Rod Stewart, which topped the charts in Austria, Canada, Germany, Italy, Ireland, Switzerland and the US. The single was from The Three Musketeers film in 1993. That's why I didn't have it. Yes. So Sting has acted in 17 films, including Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels in 1998. Sting has also appeared as himself in 22 shows, including The Bee Movie in 2007, Zoolander 2 in 2016 and The Simpsons episode Radio Bart in 1992 and tv show vicar of dibley comic relief special in 2007 the b movie the like little animated b movie mm. he's appeared as himself in that i don't remember sting being in the b movie mm. i don't know how or whether they mention him or something i don't know 
Yeah, but if he's appeared as himself, he must have had at least. Maybe he was the sting. Well, I bet they said his name loads of times. Oh, probably because they're bees. Exactly. Maybe he's jumped on onto that and took it as it's about him. I'm going to be a bee. Sting has won two Brit Awards as a soloist, Best British Album for Nothing Like the Sun in 1988 and Best British Male Solo Artist in 1994. In 2003, he won the Billboard Century Award um, and 11 Grammy Awards, including Best Album for both 10 Summoner's Tales in 1994 and Brand New Day in 2000, as well as Best Male Pop Vocal Performance on If I Ever Lose My Faith in You. In 2000, Sting had a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and in 2003, he was awarded a CBE for services to the music industry. Get him. So. His songs. 1982, Spread a Little Happiness. Number 16. This was one of my favourites. I was not expecting this from him. Like I say, I had like this prejudgment thing that I thought he was really rocky. Well, this is a little jolly tune, isn't it? I love it. It's a great swaying one. It's not... I just, it's not what I expected from Sting, but I fell in love with it. It was a great start to him. 1985, If You Love Somebody, Set Them Free, number 26. Upbeat, got a bit more to it than Spread a Little, little Happiness. And I'm not knocking Spread a Little Happiness, favourite, but it's more what I would expect from Sting. It's got a good beat to it as well. 1985, Russians, number 12. Does he have anything to do with Russia? No. He no. just decided to sing about Russia and Russia. Yes. Yeah. Like, he sings about Oppenheimer and everything. Um, I feel like, like it's got some deep meaning when you listen to the lyrics. Oh, okay. Maybe he's got some beef with Russia. But it's very to the point. I liked it. My favourite next, 1988. Englishman in New York, number 51. 51? It was then re-released in 1990 and got to number 15. Okay, so it did do better. Well, I did enjoy it. It's a nice little quick step beat is the only Mm. way that I can describe it. But it's also very calming. Um, It really shows off his voice. And I just love how he has the English down to a T. Like, literally, he sings about cups of tea. It's great. I did enjoy it. 1991, All This Time, number 22. Now, like Elton John, I picked two favourites. So this was my second, like, other favourite. It's got a good build to the chorus and it's got, like, layers to it, like... It's a good all-rounder, I think. 1992, It's Probably Me, with Eric Clapton, number 30. Oh, see, I thought this was a good one. It's just simply him, you know, it's proper stripped back, like really 
shows him off. 1993, if I ever lose my faith in you, number 14. This one's a bit religious, you know. Like, I don't I don't know if I'm just thinking about it too much. But it's got a good sound to it. It's the chorus absolutely saves it. But there's just something about it where I'm like, this is the one that made me think he sung a bit, you know, down a political route, like giving his opinions for his songs. Okay. And finally, another one I like. 1993 Fields of Gold, which you said was a number one, didn't you? Yeah, I thought it would be. Wasn't even in the top ten. No. Number 16. No. I recognise this one as well. I thought, I think it's amazing. It's just calming and pure beauty of a song. Okay. Quite shocking. So... Moving on to Colonel Abrahams. Yeah. Now, I don't, I mean, I only had two songs. I didn't get into any So it was quite difficult. But for his uh, genre, I went with soul, like R&B. And I know they're quite different from one another, but yeah. Um, was a bit of a change in a vibe to my week. It mixed it up a bit. And that's what I mean by it's a really good playlist because it's not just the same. Um, it's just a bit of feel-good music, I think. And I'm just now wondering why I didn't have any more. And I think he's just a chilled-out, cool-looking guy. Like, he's not put any effort into his like, outfits or anything, but he still looks good. You know, he's just there for a, for a vibe. Okay, so Colonel Abrahams from Detroit, Michigan, US. He's been active since 1976. Okay. He's a singer, songwriter, dancer, and actor. Um, he was a vocalist, guitarist, and pianist. Pianist. Thank you. <laughs> R&B. Oh! Soul. Oh! House. No. And electric dance. No, I didn't get that from his two songs. So from an early age, Colonel Abrahams, which is really his real name. Really? That's his name, yes. See, I didn't write anything about wanting to know the background <laughs> of his name because I thought that would just come up anyway. Apparently yes, not. It's his real name. Yes. Who names their son, <laughs> Colonel? He's named after yeah. the bloke from KFC. <laughs> Surely he got the mickey taken out. Of <laughs> oh, that's school. his name. But then, you know, in America, they call themselves Prince and King and... They do have some weird names over there, don't they? They're not that normal, are they? So he played guitar and piano and was in several bands, including Heavy Impact, where he played guitar and keyboards. In 1976, he formed Conservative Manor and 94 East, which featured Prince on lead guitar. Oh. Prince and Colonel. Yeah. What, what a... I bet the other people thought that it felt quite bland. <laughs> so Abrams made his name on the New York underground scene via radio and club play and had his first major hit in 1984 with 
Music is the answer on the independent label Streetwise. Other hits included Leave the Message Behind the Door, Trapped, a top 10 hit internationally in Germany, Ireland and the Netherlands, The Truth, Speculation, I'm Not Gonna Let You and Over and Over all establishing Colonel Abrams as a solo artist in both Europe and the US. In 2015, a a crowdfunding campaign was launched via GoFundMe to help Abrahams as he was in poor health, suffering from diabetes and was homeless. Stop. What year was that? 2015. How did he end up homeless? Got on the wrong people, didn't manage the money well, I don't know. In 2016, on Thanksgiving Day, Abrahams died. Was he still homeless? Uh, as well, it's a year later, or just uh, depends what, what where the timelines are. But I would yes. probably say yes, or at least he was Aww. in a shelter or something. But yeah, oh, it's really sad. I mean, it's probably his fault for getting himself less, but I don't know. Homeless people make it really sad. Bless him. I guess. So, Colonel Abrahams, two songs. Yeah. 1985, Trapped. Number three. That was my favourite. I'm glad that got that high. It's such a good beat. It kicks straight in. It's just got a bit of everything. Like, it's an all round a good song. Like, really catchy. If I listen to it more, I could probably have a nice little sing song. It's a good one. And in 1986, I'm not going to let you. Number 24. Oh, see, I thought this could be higher. It's a nice dance tune, you know. It's got, it's catchy. I think it would work nowadays, that. Okay. On to Neil Diamond. No relation to Jim. No. Um, I don't know his genre. Don't really... He's not really rocky. He's not really poppy. He's not blues, soul, jazz. I don't know what he is. He's just a feel-good man. Um, I just know him because of Sweet Caroline. Um, but I feel like what got me with him is he baffled. This is why I also... He baffled me, right? So you send me Sweet Caroline. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know that. Didn't really have to listen to that one, but I did just because the you know classic. I think I skipped it sometimes. Um, but then the other three songs I've got are really not of the same vibe as Sweet Caroline, and it baffles me. I can be so chilled. It's like, did you get every single ounce of energy out in one song that the rest of you is just a bit more like ah, yeah. So I don't know. It's I don't know. It's like he died what he be um yeah and all i could think about was that and to be honest give me much about him like it was more like album artwork 
like he didn't really have anybody. Okay. So, Neil Diamond from New York City, US. Yeah, also, hang on, while you're on... I, I, in the back of my head, I knew we weren't English. Like, I knew we weren't British, right? How has a US song become basically the anthem for the UK? Just as. It's a football song. How, though? But, like, Just... how? It's not English. No, well... Still a good song. It is, but it just baffles me. And I knew, yeah. I knew we were ish. Very weird. But anyway, carry on. So he's been active in the music business since 1962. He's a singer-songwriter guitarist. His genres are rock, pop, folk, and country, although I'd say rock and pop more as ballads. Right. Yeah, yeah, okay, I'm seeing ballads, it. But country? And I love a bit Broken of country. country. I Maybe don't you need to listen to his anyway. earlier music. You've right. only had, you know, Maybe the late, yeah. you know. We'll go on. So Neil Diamond was born to a migrant family with his mother's side from Poland and his dad's side from Russia. Neil attended Erasmus Hall High School in Brooklyn and was a member of the Freshman Chorus Club, along with classmate Barbara Streisand. Oh! Okay, interesting. For his 16th birthday, he received his first guitar, he later began songwriting, saying, I never really chose songwriting. It just absorbed me and become more and more important in my life. His first recording contract was with his high school friend, Jack Packer, and they called themselves Neil and Jack. Pretty much straightforward, isn't it? And were an Everly Brothers type duet. Or duet. However, their two singles in 1962, You Are My Love at Last, with And What Will I Do on the B-side, um, and I'm Afraid, with Till You've Tried Love on the B-side, were both unsuccessful singles. Although Billboard magazine gave all four songs positive reviews. But they even really? like the two B sides. But then they weren't. But hit. They weren't, yeah. On the back of this, Diamond signed a solo contract with Columbia Records. And in 1963, the single Ta Clown Town with the B side At Night was released. But although again receiving positive reviews, it failed to chart. But then what happened to his mate? I don't know. Because he got offered, like, the solo contract. So what happened to yeah. his mate? A bit sad, isn't I, it? Yeah. He may well have as well, but it just wasn't as successful. I don't know. Right, okay. Um, in 1965, his first success as a songwriter came with Sunday and Me, which was released by a band called Jay and the Americans and was a top 20 hit on the Billboard Hot 100. 
greater success was to come with four songs i'm a believer a little bit me a little bit you look out here comes tomorrow and love to love all released by the monkeys with i'm a believer going gold within two days of its release and staying at the top of the charts for seven weeks making it the most popular song of the year in 1966 so he wrote i'm a believer is that i'm a, I'm a believer no is that a big one yeah by the monkeys I'm a believer. yeah I'm yeah that is sort of like yeah, that yeah uh, yeah i can i got it in my head i can't get it out but yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. It's in Shrek. In 1968, Diamond felt restricted by his record contract with Bang Records, as well as wanting to be more ambitious with his music rather than just writing simple pop, pop songs for others. But Bang felt that the style of writing proposed by Diamond was not commercial enough. Diamond was also dissatisfied with his royalties and tried to sign with another label after yes. discovering a loophole in his contract. Yes, boy, off you go. This resulted in a series of lawsuits. So even this early in the music business, you were having lawsuits You're, for the record contracts. This, yeah. But then to be fair, you would because of they just did whatever they wanted to get what they needed and they didn't yeah. care about the artist. However, this um, coincided with a slump in his record sales, probably because he had other things on his mind, to be honest. Yeah, but probably. yeah, um, a magistrate ruled against his record company management okay. in okay. having a temporary injunction preventing Diamond from joining another record company. And although Diamond could now sign for another record company, his contract dispute continued in the courts until February 1977. Bear in mind, it's been going on since, what did I say, 1968. Yeah, out the 70s. That's nearly 10 um, years. Yeah. Uh, Diamond won and purchased the rights to his Bang Era master tapes. Fair enough to him. In 1968, Diamond signed a recording contract with the records, with Uni Records, a subsidiary of MCA, which would later be called Universal Records. And in mid-1969, Diamond moved to Los Angeles and recorded Sweet Caroline in 1969, Holly Holly, also in 1969, Cracklin Rosie in 1970, and Song Sung Blue in 1972. With the, latter two, with the latter two reaching number one on the Billboard Hot 100, although it was Sweet Caroline reaching number four on the Billboard Hot 100, which gave Diamond his first major hit following his slump due to his dispute with his former record label. Diamond has since said it took him just one hour to write the song in a Memphis hotel. 
sad. And that's still making me now. He yep. didn't need to do anything else. But also, why have I got it? Because it's... Um, I gave you it because it is his main hit. And it is so um, popular even today. Yeah, I know. What, what? I was watching something. Me and Connor were talking about Sweet Caroline. Literally, I f- uh, and I forgot I had Neil Diamond because I don't think I'd got to him and I hadn't done the long distance to have got to it in that sense either. And me and Connor were talking about it and we were saying how mad it is, how big it is. Um, and then I had it. And it's like, you're still, still to this day. Yeah. I know, I was on holiday. And we were singing Sweet Caroline. It's like the kids were there as well singing Sweet Caroline. It's like, how is this such a big UK tune? But at the time, did you know who sang it? I know it's Neil Diamond, yeah. Before you gave me it, yeah. And so did Connor. Uh Um, In 1979, Diamond collapsed on stage in San Francisco and was taken to hospital and had a 12-hour operation to remove what turned out to be a tumour in his spine. He was so convinced he was going to die that he wrote farewell letters to his friends. Oh, bless him. In 1980, Diamond wrote the song America for his film, The Jazz Singer. Diamond has said of America, it was the story of my grandparents. It was my gift to them. And it's very real to me. In a way, it speaks to the immigrant in all of us. The song was also used by national news shows when hostages were shown returning home after the Iran hostage crisis ended. It was also used on the 100th anniversary of the Statue of Liberty and a tribute to civil rights leader Martin Luther King Jr. So he's and got yet, two anthems in a sense. One for he's America. got America in America, which they use yeah. for um, kind of when like bad the, things turn good yeah, turned to remember yeah, things yeah. and that. And you've got Sweet Caroline in in over here. Yeah. So he's done well in that sense. He could yeah. play after those two songs. So um, America, it also became the anthem of his world tour which started two weeks after the September the 11th attacks on America in 2001. Diamond changed the original lyric at the end, they're coming to America, to stand up for America. At the time, a national poll found the song to be the number one most recognised song about America, even more than God Bless America. Wow. The jazz singer film itself, which is where it was from, from, was a failure. Due in part to Diamond never having acted professionally before even though he was nominated for a Golden Globe. That's mad. So he'd never acted before, yet he did well. In January 2018, 
Diamond announced that he would stop touring after he was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Aww. So, Neil Diamond. Yes. So I gave you Sweet Caroline, mainly because, as we know, it is the anthem for sport over here with the England's men's team, football team, and also the the Lionesses, the the women's team, who obviously are playing in the World Cup at the moment. And it's it's just just one of those songs that in a stadium of sports fans, especially football, it seems to... Honestly, it gets played anywhere if yeah. drinking's involved and then everyone gets all happy and yeah. spirit. So it was actually released over here in 1971 and it got to number eight. Oh, okay. So it was a high topper. Yeah. Okay. So obviously, as I said, in America, it was um, released in 1969. So two years before number- and it got to number four over there. Yeah. No, we'll take a number eight. I mean, it's fantastic even now. And it, like mm. I said, it's a, like the tune. classic yeah. thing you are. Al. And then I gave you the other one, which is also outside the 80s. In 1978, You Don't Bring Me Flowers with Barbara Streisden, who obviously we now know he went to school with. And that mad if you're at school? Be like, yeah. we produce Barbara Streisand. And Neil Diamond. Yeah. They may not have done both well. in the school at the same time. Yeah. And then they both um, went on to be singers. Yeah. And this one went on to be number five in the UK oh. singles chart. Both really talented. It's a lovely song, but it's such a change in pace. Sweet Caroline. Mm. Then we have at 1980, Love on the Rocks. Number 17. Okay. Really gets you thinking. Slow, heartfelt, feel like it's one that you listen to when you're I know, what, like, after a breakup or something deep. And then finally, 1992, Morning Has Broken, number 32. Yeah, this one was just weird. It's like a... I was like, what? <laughs> very bizarre. A very weird ending to my life. Um, and also, I didn't say it, but obviously Caroline's our favourite. I try and yeah, do things that yes. I recognise. But out of those four, Sweet Caroline was the only one. Okay. So, hit or miss? Yes. Did Dad influence daughter? Or not. Yeah. Definitely a lot of different music. So we shall start off with the one and only Reginald Dwight. (laughs) So Elton John. (laughs) Um, He's a massive hit. I really enjoyed him. No surprise there. I do think I would put, like, anyone prefers his 70s, but he was in the 70s. Yeah. And imagine, you know, his songs in the 80s weren't as good as his songs in the 70s. No. But he did have, like, for all the ones that I listened to, mm. I'd still put him as a hit. Okay. Chris Rhea. Okay. Now, this one's a bit on the fence. 
Because I'm like, I do like his songs, but I don't okay. know whether I'd go back to him. So, he had seven songs. Yeah. How many were hits? Well, The Road to Hell, Driving Home for Christmas, but I didn't count. <laughs> Uh, let's dance, maybe. Like, it's hard because it's like I do the sound of them. Now, I'm gonna go miss because even like what I've written is a bit too on the fancy, and I feel like I'd only ever really go back to driving over on the road to hell. It's gonna have to be a miss room, and I'd, I'd be the same. I, I like him, but yeah, not, not enough. I, I wouldn't buy and an I album. Don't think and obviously, like, yes, we do this to see if he would hit with people of my generation. And I feel like the songs that he's got, I think people would be on the same page as me. He'd be like, mm, it's not really what I'd want to just listen to. David Sylvian. Miss. Absolutely awful. What even was that? <laughs> Bar, I did really like Red Guitar. But yeah. Red guitar? Yeah. Red guitar, yeah. Sting. Oh, massive hit. Absolutely loved him. He can come again. Well, as we found out, he's still making music. Yeah. Colonel Abraham's Rest in Peace. Hit. He had a fantastic two songs. And what makes it even better now? Genuinely, Colonel. I think that's yeah, just yeah. Even more up there. Like, <laughs> what a, what a man. Yeah, no, fantastic. And finally, Neil Diamond. Yeah, he's a miss, which did shock me because of Sweet Caroline. But it's like I was just baffled at how how different the rest of his music is, and yeah, that's just not for me. Like, it was a okay. bit too chilled. But do you know what? This is why I said like, at the beginning, I can listen to all these songs one after Bar, I think I'd take out David Sylvian. Which but was Neil the Diamond, one I did say that I'm yeah. surprised. That... But Neil Diamond, his three other songs, Bar, Sweet, Caroline, they fit with this week. So if you put mm -hmm. this part of the playlist on shuffle, it goes really well. Uh -huh. Do you know what I mean? Like they all flow really nicely into each other. As much as I don't on shuffle, because I go through the songs that you put yeah. in order, I think if I did put it in and Neil Diamond came up, like it would just go really nicely. Just for mm. me as an artist, he doesn't work personally for me. He's a bit too chill compared to the rest, but he the playlist. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So next week. Yeah. Are you ready? I am. You may need your fingers to count. Oh, God. So, okay. Rod Stewart. Marvin Gaye. Oh, okay. Jeffrey Osborne. Is that anything to do with Ozzy Osborne? No. Okay. Steve Silk Hurley. No. Percy Sledge. No. Sam Cooke. No. 
Benny King. No. And they are your artists for next week. Oh, seven. All right. When you You've said get your seven. fingers out, I thought I was going to go in 12. <laughs> I was like, right, we're having one six. per artist. Did you have five stroke six? You've got seven. Okay. So that means that some of them don't have many songs. Which sometimes means that it is longer for me because I go out and listen to more. Yes. So, just to recap, Rod Stewart, Marvin Gaye, Jeffrey Osborne, Still, Steve Silk Hurley, Percy Sledge, Sam Cooke, and Ben E. King. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'll give it okay. a whirl. Okay. See what they're about. I shall send you their songs, and you can have a great old listen of them. I will. And I'll let you know what I think next week. You can. Right. On that note, I shall say good night. Night, Dad. Night. See you. Bye. <laughs>